Hello and welcome back again to the Lone Star Meeple podcast. Well, not with me today, actually, is the Red Meeple, Alex, who's usually on my right. However, he is unfortunately not here. However, I do have to my left the illustrious Green Meeple, the Michael. Illustrious. The illustrious. Uh, hey, how y'all doing today? And then, of course, myself, the Blue Meeple, Sean. Welcome back to the Lone Star Meeple podcast. Huzzah. Huzzah. It has been a while. It, we keep saying that every time. I know, we do say that every time. It's difficult now. It's, I don't... I don't even know. Like ever since, I feel like ever since COVID, like everything fell apart, and it's been so hard to, to get keep, everything back together. To get everything back together. But not again. only that, like kids, and like uh, Emily and I are both teachers, and so we have schoolwork, and then kids in school, and then sports. Out of our four kids, three of us, three of them are in baseball, and I umpire. So baseball almost every night of the week at our house. Yeah, yeah, and then between work, and then usually then I'm picking up Alice from school, and then taking her to dance. And then she has violin lessons that we have to go to, and then I usually will DJ on the weekends. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 it can get a little rough. It gets a little. I was able to have everybody over for my birthday. We had a whole house full of people playing board games on my birthday. That was super exciting. That was fun, actually. Uh, it was that was probably one of the first times in a while we actually had like had a big, everybody together, like a big like, group of people. Mm. Yeah, I think there was probably twenty people in the house playing board games. Hmm. Maybe not that many. No, well, uh, something. It was well, a good chunk because we had two or three tables going. Yeah. I think 12, 15, something like that. Yeah. Pretty good. And people I don't get to see very often. Scott, the British meeple, the Union Jack meeple. Is this? Is that Union what? Jack? Well, British Union, meeple works. Yeah, okay, that works. Uh, so, yeah, he, he actually came. It was good. It was a good time. So what have you been playing lately? So actually, the first time I played it was at your birthday. was one that was finally came in the mail. was Wonderland's War. I was really excited to play the game I was playing, but I really wanted to play that one too. So yeah. tell me about it. It, so, well, his funny thing is, I so your birthday was, oh God, what day did you do it on? Uh, Saturday the 18th? No, yeah, so, something like that. supposedly, for the initial, like, delivery, it said delivery, and it said, coming on Saturday, the before Saturday 4 o'clock, <laughs> Saturday your birthday. I was like, oh, perfect. We'll just be late. We'll wait for the package and bring and it. And then that's fine. I was like, yeah, I know we're supposed to be there at 3, but this is supposed to be here by 4. We'll just, whatever, we'll just go a little late. You know, I know Leslie said she wanted to go, and she was working anyway, so I'm like, okay, fine, no, no big deal. And then... The next day, I refreshed the, f- the the tracking, and it says, Womp, womp, coming Sunday. Aww. Aww. And then, like, the day of your, your birthday, I was like, you know what? Let me check, just in case. Who knows? And then, lo and behold, it was out for delivery. And I was like, yes! So, Wonderland's War, if you can't tell by the name, is an Alice in Wonderland-themed board game. The premise of the game is the story behind it and what was really cool is throughout the whole campaign they were sending you like chapters of like a story that leads up to the board game where like the board game is essentially the culmination of the story and they actually printed it in a a book like in an actual book that they sent with you oh that's cool yeah so it it was really cool so you actually got like a printed copy of the book when everything's said and done Um, so yeah so that was that was pretty awesome so it is the theme of it is when Alice went to Wonderland she brought with her like a spark of, I guess, stability is really kind of the okay. way to explain it. Like, you know, where she was somewhat stable and normal in a world that was built on just chaos and nonsense. And that sort of lingered behind in Wonderland after she left, which spread and spread and spread and then started just causing a complete ruckus and everything was falling apart and the Wonderlandians didn't know how to deal with it. And now, at culminating in the game, 
everyone is a different faction or different, like, you know, big Wonderlandian who is now fighting for control of Wonderland to restore order and be the one to control Wonderland. So I assume, like, the House of Cards is one. The Queen in the House of Cards is one. Yeah, so the Queen is one, Alice is one, the Jabberwocky, uh, the Mad Hatter, and the Cheshire Cat. That makes sense. Are the, yeah, are the characters. that oh, Those are the player characters. And everyone's got their own ability. So the game goes in. There's two major phases of the game. There's the tea party. And tea, yeah. Yeah, tea, exactly. Uh, sorry, Scott, but we... Uh, he like okay, you can put your him. pinky down when you're done. No, but it's like a hmm, yes. fancy tea party. Yeah, fancy tea party. That's, I, I'm, I'm acting it out. You, know, you got to raise the pinky. <laughs> Don't slurp, dude. That's rude. Oh, man. No manners. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I grew up in New York. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the tea party phase is like a, it's kind of like a rondelle. It's a rondelle style, a rondelle, rondelle adjacent. Let's okay. put it that way. Uh, where you're going around the table drafting cards. And basically you have to go clockwise. And if obviously you can't go backwards. And then you stop in a place, you take the card, you get the benefit. And what you're doing is you're getting these poker chips to put in your bag. And that's essentially how you're going to fight during the war phase, which comes second. So once everyone has their cards in their hand, you've gone around the table, you've gotten your items, you've gotten your Wonderlandians, you've gotten your your helpers to help you fight. Mm-hmm. Once everyone's done that and you have four cards, next phase is the war phase. Now this is an area control. As long as you have supporters in a region on the board, you are involved in that battle. There are a couple other nuances, too, if you have, like, a castle there or some other things like that. And then there's three rounds, and each area is worth a certain number of points on each round. It mm-hmm. obviously goes up as you get it further into the game. And then what you're doing is you're saying, like, okay, who's all involved in the battle? You calculate your starting strength. And okay, this is where we're at. All right, everyone, draw a chip out of your bag. One, two, three, reveal. And then you add your strength, or you might have... So that's a random draw? It's a random draw, yeah. So you're you're built... So it's a bag build... There's a lot going on. It's like this bag building... It was a big game. Card drafting. the whole table. (laughs) Yeah, it was... It it, it is a big game, but... So then when you... You know, you're drawing your tokens, you're drawing your tokens, and it's got a bit of a press-your-luck sort of element Mm -hmm. to it also, because there are these madness chips. Every time you draw a madness chip, you lose a supporter in the region. If you ever go down to zero reporters... Reporters... Supporters, supporters, yes, supporters. Then you bust and you basically drop back down to zero. You lose everything that you could have potentially had and you're done. But you can opt out whenever you want. You just put your hand in the bag and just draw nothing and just reveal nothing. Ah. And now you're saying, I pass, I'm out. Maybe you're in the lead. Maybe you're not. Maybe you have a quest that says you need to stop at this level of the battle track. And you get three points if you do it. So you're like, you know what? I'm not going to win, but I'm going to get my quest. Let's do that. Might as well. So yeah, so it is. It is. It's a lot of fun. I've played it. I played it here. We played it once at Emerald Tavern. So it's 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 fun. I like it. It's I'm looking forward to playing. I haven't had a chance to play it with you yet. Um, one game that I was excited to get to the table, Eclipse. I bought Eclipse Second Dawn, and I've been trying to get it. Uh, I remember playing the original Eclipse several years ago, and I wanted to get the new Eclipse to the table. So I invited several people over because it's going to be a big game. Let's start early in the morning on a Sunday. And play till we finish. So we had six people, five people around the table. It's a six-player game, but we had five players playing. And just a big 4X game of ships building, getting better ships, and killing each other, exploring all the space, and getting all the points. I remember that turned out to be, like, the best game ever. 
It was it was a lot of fun. I it was a it. lot of fun. I, I'm saying I think I, I think I enjoyed it the second most of everyone yes, else. Yes, <laughs> I'm saying I enjoyed it the most out of everyone else because I won. But the way it works, um, just being able to pull chips out of the not chips out of the bag. There's different resource uh, research tokens, so everyone's researching some slightly different for their ships. I might be getting cannons on my ships. You might be putting new drives on yours so you can go faster. But doing all that instantly changes one of the three types of ships on the board. You have your Dreadnought, which is a big, powerful ship. But you have your little flighty ships and then the big transport ships. Um, but they all work slightly different, and each one has a unique build from the beginning of the game. And then as you're adding more weapons and things to each ship, they all work differently. But then you're also getting some faction powers that make you work the world a different way. Some people were able to explore two tiles. Some people didn't have to fight the... Where were the the guardians, the bad guys, the ancients, the ancients? Yeah, I remember it was it was it was a good time. Like I was a little, it wasn't as much as I thought it would be because the only thing I would think to compare it to is Twilight Imperium. And I think everyone does, and it's oh, someone said it uh, very uniquely. It's the Euro version of Twilight Imperium. I would say that's accurate. Twilight Imperium, the Euro game. So, but yeah, but that 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 was a lot of fun. I certainly enjoyed that. I did like it. Was what was it? it was something with when you put the you, you put the cubes out? It was, I just know it's. Because my, my faction was it, it, it was in very incentivized to take over regions and put your cubes out on the board. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like, so I'm gonna, that's apparently what my, my faction wants to do, and so that's what I'm going to do. And then I quickly realized, oh, no, I have to pay for all that. Yeah. Oh, no. And we don't pay for everything until, like, the end of, like, a, so a, a section of the So there's seven rounds, and at the end of every round, you have to pay um, basically for all the planets that you have uh, taken over. And each plant you take over gives you different resources. Some are population, or some are gold, or then the brown resource and the purple resource. I forget what they all do. Or Research science or and, science, yeah. something like that. I don't remember. One's good for buying ship parts. The other's good for buying, I don't know, three different resources. <laughs> and then as you take over the planets, you put cubes on there to give you more research. But at the end, you have to pay for all the actions that you've taken. And it's expensive. It does. It does get expensive. Although by the end of the game, because like Alex, when he was playing, his faction started with like an absurd amount of money. I and was then like, 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 like I, 10 times the amount of everybody else. As I'm setting up, because I set up everyone's players so they could just come in and play. And I'm setting up everyone's boards. And there's th- the three resources. Every resource at the table, the three were anywhere between four and 10 at the most. And then the uh, red faction, Alex, what Alex played was like two, seven, and 26 gold. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, typo? Check the rule book. Nope. Check BGG. Nope. <laughs> no one's like telling me this is a typo. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so he had the advantage of not having to worry about gold for the first three rounds. And then by the time it mattered, he had already worked up a good system to collect those gold. But we had to be really frugal at the beginning. We as in everyone else at the yeah. table. So now you've played them both. See, I never played Twilight and Imperium yet. I think you've played them both. How would you compare the two? They're similar because they're space games, 4X space games. And they have ships that you could build and get better. But Twilight Imperium is, there's negotiation. And you are that faction. And there's things that build your character more than your ship's. So Twilight Imperium is a lot about the faction itself. What is this faction going to do to that faction? How am I going to make this faction better? Um, Eclipse feels a lot more like ships on the board. 
and I need to make my fleet as best I can to make my fleet go do the things. Yeah. All right. So. I would at some point. Do you still have Twilight Imperium? Did you? No, Alex had it, and I believe he sold it. Oh, all right. Oh, well. If it ever crops around again. I remember the day, I think the day you were playing, I had to DJ a wedding, so I was like, hmm, boo. Yeah. Um, anything else you've been playing? I think that was really it. I mean, I, th- I mean, a couple things that we played, just like little quick ones. Oh, the, uh, I think I played another couple games at Orlog. That one that I played with you, the Assassin's Creed dice game. Oh, yeah? I, ta- uh, I taught it to Eric. So what, what do we call it? Viking, Viking, Viking Gutsy. Viking Gutsy. There you go. <laughs> yeah, two player little Viking Gutsy. Yes, so I played. I played a couple of games of that with Eric. We and then uh, actually whipped out and one that I haven't played in a while was Jaipur. It don't look. Oh yeah, that. the, That's uh, not what the little out. box uh, of the camels. Trade. Yeah, camels and trading spices and the whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a fun little. It is game. a fun little two player game, but I haven't played it in so long. And apparently, I have been getting a rule wrong. Every single time that I've played it. And when, because when Eric was, I'm like, just give me a refresher because it's been a long time since I played Jaipur. And he said, you know, okay, so you, you trade in your resources and then you take that many tokens from the stack. And I looked at him funny. He's like, uh huh. He goes, most people get that wrong. And in my head, I was like, oh, I've been playing that way wrong. <laughs> because I always thought, in my head, for some reason, I've been playing it because they're the expensive resources. You have to play a minimum of, of three, yeah. a set of three. And in my head, I was like, I guess I thought I had to do that for all of them. But I was also, what I was doing is I was only, I was playing the set and then only taking the top token. Okay. So I wasn't, if I was playing a set of three, I wasn't taking the top three tokens off the stack. You were just taking the top I was top taking ten. the top one. So then when me and Leslie were playing a couple times, I'm like, this is long for a two-player game. I'm like, this is a- Because it's taking forever to get through that stack yes, of tokens. Because the timer is if two stacks, two or three stacks, and when that run out, that's, that's the end of the mm-hmm. round. That's it. So now when you're only taking one at a time, yeah, those a rounds take a long time. Uh, another game that I was able to pull out at the birthday party was Cult Express the Big Box. And I've owned Cult Express and all the expansions. The only thing the Big Box adds is an extra player. They add a third player, or a six, seven, eighth player named Silk. And she has three different powers, and you get to choose one per game. And I think the power that we chose for her was she can dodge. Which means if the sheriff or marshal shoots you, she hands that neutral bullet to some other player. Wow. Every time? Every time. Now, if a player shoots her, she gets shot. Mm. But if another, uh, the neutral, the marshal, or the uh, shotgun. So if she gets one of the the tan cards, that, yeah, she can, and she, uh, the guy who played, her name is Silk, yeah. And he just was passing him out. He's like running through the sheriff's like, I don't care. Here you go. <laughs> I need to be up on top of his car. Well, I'll just move into it. And he was using it to his advantage very well. So it was like, all right, we're just going to have to shoot you then. Oh, that works. Yeah, I remember when that when I See, I didn't know the Kickstarter. Was it Kickstarter for that one? Uh-huh. So I didn't realize that that was a no. Uh, Cold Express was just uh, published. It was published. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't realize there was a big box coming out. Mm-hmm. And then I saw one day you posted on the Game Trader site. Oh, I'm selling Cold Express. And I was like. Wait, what? Yeah. I was like, I was like are I think you I falling got, on hard times? Like, if you got, need money, I will lend you. I'll give you money. It's I think fine. I got I three know. or four comments like, that's your favorite game. Why are you selling it? I was like, I sold it and the expansions, but I kept all my like uh, fancy bits that I've purchased for it and all the little upgrades. Like and, the playmat? No, I kept the playmat. And then uh, the time card, the time car, uh, travel car expansion, the DeLorean. So I kept all that and put them in the big box. But I bought the big box for the explicit reason is uh, there's an expansion coming out this summer that adds a second train. Ooh. So, and six more players, I think. 
So you're going to have two trains, and there's different missions that you're going to have to do. You can jump from train to train. Didn't one of the expansions add, like, another vehicle of some kind? It added, the, a, the added a stagecoach. Stagecoach, yeah. that's the, the one. But okay. now there's going to be a separate train as well. So it's, I am looking forward to it again. It's one of my favorite games and I always up for playing it and more of it's always better. Yeah. Cult Express, Cult Express is fun. And when we get to our, uh, our house rules section, that's going to be spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about some house rules today. Uh, you know what? Why don't, let's just go into it. Oh, okay. Why not? Oh yeah. So, so everyone has a rule they hate and there's just a handful of games that there's just a bad rule. Or a rule that doesn't make sense. Or maybe it just doesn't work well for you. You just don't like it. There's, I know some people just take cards and throw them away. These cards are stupid. We're not using them. But house rules are a part of board games. And one of the great things about board games is it's mine. And I'm going to have fun with my game the way I want to. Yeah. And I can change the rules because I don't care. It's so, my game and I'll house rule if I want to. <laughs> so if there's a house rule that you really enjoy, you really like, uh, hit us up. Let us know what it is. But we're going to talk about four or five of house rules that we... Having board games. Yeah, and th- this first one, I think we were all in agreement on this one as as we were because pl- we played this game, like, a lot. And we played it at a high player count, which is one of the reasons we added this rule. Yeah, so what the game we're talking about is Blood Rage. Surprise, surprise. Blood Rage. Blood Rage. And so and originally, the way that the game works is in Blood Rage is you just, you just pass the token around, right? There's yeah. three ages, and you pick a random first player, and then as part of cleanup is you pass the... Uh, first player token, the first player becomes the next player. Mm. So in a three-player game, great, fine, no big deal. But three-player Blood Rage sucks. So you need four or five-player Blood Rage. That's the way to do it. Yeah, and then in that case, there's one or two people that that never... That are guaranteed never to be first. Yes, and being first is pretty advantageous. I mean, it's uh, an area control game. It's uh, card management. You need to be able to react and be able to go first sometimes, but also hold back another time, set up something. Um, going first is really important a lot of times in that game. So what we came up with was, I'm, you know, I, I kind of threw this out there, and everyone's like, that's way better, is the first person to run out of rage. So once you run out of rage, just to clarify for those of you who might not know, rage is your resource for, for taking actions yeah. and doing your stuff. It's the, the com- not commodity, the... Resource, resource, commodity, whatever that works. Commodity is just a fancy way of saying resource, I guess. Currency is the word. Currency. Also. currency. There you go. Uh, so, and that's what you use to to take actions. You pay for things with with rage. Once you're out of rage, you are no longer able to take actions or essentially really participate. You can react, but you can't initiate. So, yeah. like, you can jump into a battle that someone else initiates, but you can't start one. And even though some of the actions are free and don't cost rage, which is a rule a lot of people forget, that like. Oh, this I can pillage for free. I'll just wait until I run out of rage and then do it. You still have to have rage to be able to do that action. So once you're out, you cannot even do the free actions. Um, yep. So what we said was the first person that runs out of rage, meaning you're out of the round first, essentially, basically, yeah. gets the first player marker. And therefore, there's a little bit of advantage to spending your rage or passing because passing once you pass, you lose all your rage. And then, but or maybe you just had a rough time and you upgraded a lot and didn't get to do much. But that gives you the little bit of advantage. You had a rough round. You're done. You get to go first next round. Yeah. Yep, yep. So that was uh, the first player rule on Blood Rage. And the second house rule, I think I just played wrong, but we liked it better. Because <laughs> uh, reading a dyslexic person reading rule books sometimes misses a rule. Uh, but we, I, when I first set up the game, I put all the 
pillage tokens, the reward tokens for pillaging. I put them upside down, shuffled them up, spread them out, and left them upside down. And I think the first time uh, y'all played with me, y'all just played it. And they're like, all right, what'd you get? And then we realized later that's not right, that those tokens are all supposed to be face up. But I was like, you know what? It's more fun. Let's pillage a village and see what we get. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So that's something we continue to do. And I always include all of them. Like Ragnarok, not Ragnarok, um, Jiggersil always gets Jiggersils. But I shuffle in all the other ones together. I don't ever take any out completely. But as I shuffle them out, anything that doesn't get is just put off into a pile. And then we refill it at the next stage as well. Yeah, yeah. And then Cult Express, I think we both have. I didn't put it on the thing. I just, when you, you talking about it made me, oh, yeah, that's right. I do have a thing that I do. So, so, so why don't you do yours first? Because most of the time when we play Cult Express, it's typically with you and it's your game because I don't actually own it. So I did this originally when I first pulled out the expansion. The first expansion is the Stagecoaches and Horses. And it adds a couple different modules. One of the modules is, or one of the setup rules for the Stagecoach is you're supposed to put hostages out. And I think I just missed the rule the first time. And there's also little flasks that give you some bonus actions that you're supposed to put in each car. And I think the first time I pl- first couple times I played, I didn't put them out because I was trying to learn how to play. And then I've just never put them in. Uh, the hostages pretty much drag you down. They give you a handicap once you enter the stagecoach. So you enter the stagecoach to hopefully find a $1,000 briefcase, uh, which dollars are your points in that game. But once you enter the stagecoach, you, you get a hostage. And the hostage is going to hurt you the rest of the game, like Uh, give you a handicap. Basically you're carrying this person around and they're going to mess with you the entire time. And I've never played with them, so I don't know exactly what they all do. And they're probably great. It would probably be fun to play with. I just, every time I'm playing the game, I'm teaching it to probably half the people playing. And I haven't played with them enough to feel comfortable to teach it, to answer those rules because my hardest time when I play the game is focusing on me playing the game. Because, like I said, I'm usually teaching it to half the people there. So I'm constantly answering questions and looking at their strategy, making sure they understand that I struggle actually playing the game. Mm. And the other, the flasks, I should just throw them in. There's nothing negative about them. They just give you a little bonus actions every now and then. You know what would be fun with the hostage? I mean, this is a little bit of a dark way to play with them. But (laughs) is if uh, you have the hostage, and if you're stuck with the whole game, but here's what you can do is if the sheriff or the the, the shotgun shoots you, you could use him as a human shield and don't get the bullet. (laughs) Discard a neutral bullet to discard the hostage. (laughs) A little dark, but... Yeah, yeah. that's that's rough. So my my Colt Express rule, and, and this... This can be a little hit or miss because this really depends on the group that you're playing with. So it can be a little hard to do, but I, I try to coax that at people. Is so with Cult Express, it's it's a what would you how would you call it? It's it's a, a pre-programming pre-programming. There you go. That's what I was looking for. So you pre-program all of your moves, and then like mm-hmm. somebody is the person who's flipping over the cards and you know going through the thing. Yeah. Most of the time, what people do is oh okay, you know Tuco goes up top and you move him up top, and they say oh the sheriff moves one. Yeah. My rule is, at least what I like to do, is I like to tell a story with it. Tell the story, okay. So It's like you're telling a story. It's like Tuco sees the sheriff coming, decides, you know what? I'm out of here. Heads up to the top. And the sheriff, and then you flip it and go, oh, <laughs> the sheriff says, no, 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 son. I, I see you. Moves forward to chase him down. And then, you know, and this, as you're flipping him over, you say, and then Silk, seeing that the sheriff is gone, takes advantage, grabs herself some money. Yeah. And, you, and telling it like a little story, it, because it's a very thematic game. And it's it adds so much to it by telling it like a story. It's like you're playing out like a Western Because, movie. I mean, a lot of the rule book feels like you're writing the Western story and then you're performing it out. And it's kind of like a, and that's a lot of time when I uh, teach the game, I'm like, you're making a movie. 
This is the script that you're building in the movie, and then you shoot the movie and you actually do it. So this is the plan, and this is the action. And they call it the scheming phase and the stealing phase. So, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, so that, that's fun. But like I said, it, it can be a little hit or miss because when you... when you, Depends on the group, yeah. Depends on the group. That's like the same thing with Snake Oil. Like, Snake Oil mm-hmm. is one of my favorite party games. It's so ridiculous, but... So you have to have the group. But, like, you have to have the right group because it's not a just... You know, oh, fill in the blank. Oh, someone said penis. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you have to come up and be creative and come up with a story because I'm trying to make up a nonsense yeah. item to sell to you. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about it last yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I kind of try to do the same thing with, uh, with, with Colt Express. Um, another game that um, the more we played it, we came up with some house rules is Downforce. And in Downforce, it's a racing game where you have a deck of cards, and a lot of the cards are very similar. Some have move all the cards on the board. Some only move two or three. But every player gets one card of their cards. A card that matches their car. Those are two words that should not be in the same sentence. Cards that matches the car. Vehicle. Vehicle. You have a piece of paper (laughs) with a number on it that matches your vehicle, and that number is eight. So everyone has an eight that matches their vehicle and you can play it and it allows your one, your vehicle, your car to move eight spaces and that's it. No one else gets to move. It's a pretty powerful card. You, a lot of people like to hold it to the end and a little zip at the very end, but it can be a little OP to pull it out on the first turn because mm-hmm. you can block everyone up and it just slows everyone down. It's just a little OP on the first turn. So we say you cannot play your eight in the first round of the game. Everyone has to go at least once before you play the eight. And then a lot of times playing it right away after that, there's a little bit of a block. You might not get to use the whole thing. So a lot of people don't even use it on the second round because it's better to wait for like a long stretch or something like that mm. that's opened up a little bit. Yeah, no, I remember. It, it, I'm, trying to, I'm pretty sure I played Downforce. I had to have. I've got to. We played, we played a lot of Downforce when it first came out. We probably did that. It's for some reason it's not sounding familiar, but mm-hmm. like I feel like we've played so many racing games. Some of them are on bicycles. Some of those are in cars. Some yeah. of them are just really real card ones. I think I have some a whole of box of ra- uh, one of the cubes up there full of racing games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another there was one of the maps in Downforce that we added a rule to as well. That there's a loop to loop, like a two little loops. Looks like mm-hmm. a not a figure eight, but a two loop to loops. And we said if everyone has exited the loop before you enter, you can cheat. And you can skip the loop. And we figured if everyone is that far ahead of you, that you deserve a little womp. Yeah. And so in uh, just a little thematic, you can skip the loop if you're in last place. So that's a house rule we added for downforce as well. Yeah. Yeah, See, I I have another house rule for it. Now, this isn't for one game in particular. It's more for a type of game, like a style of game. Mm -hmm. And they're games that where you kind of progress through a story or a chapter or whatever and that say like if you fail or if you run into cards you have to do the whole thing over again time story like time stories or even like you know like some other ones there, there are other games that do it that say like you go through or what was the seventh continent was another one I mean, it turns out we don't really like that game anyway but like but that was another one it said like oh if this deck runs out then you lose you have to start all over again i'm like that's not gonna happen <laughs> like here's the thing if we get to the point where we say we would have lost and had to start over let's just keep playing because i'm not packing this all up and redoing two hours worth of story no. mission we successfully made it to this point it's like the choose your own adventure where you mark your pages in the book yeah it's like all right i'm on page 17 26 and 42 oh i died 
I go back to page 26. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just putting our finger in the choose your own adventure story, which I think is acceptable. Yes, because I'm not redoing all of that. That's not going to happen. So it's like, we just said, okay, we'll consider it. We lost, but let's just at least finish out the chapter. And we'll just call this one like an X. We got an X. And mm-hmm. then at the end of all of it, we say like, oh, well, we failed three of them, but we passed seven of them. Huzzah. Overall, it's a win. Yeah, we won. We found the, we found the lady. and. The guy yelled at us. Yes. He, that's his job. Yeah. I forget his name, but he yelled at us every time. Oh, yeah. Oh, the guy in Time Stories. Yeah. the so mean. I, don't, I just call him Time Cop. I don't, yeah. I don't know his name. I don't remember his name. All right. So moving on from house rules, we have a list of games that fired other games. Yeah. So you proposed this a little while back. I was like, no, I like all my games. I love all my games. And then I started thinking. I was like, no, no, I definitely have some that I don't play as much or if all again, just because there's either better versions of it or ones that are just a little bit more fun. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's the first one you got on your list? Um, actually, I'm going to add one because I just saw it on my shelf that I own both of these games, but Dead of Winter and Dead of Winter, Dead of Winter A Long Night. I don't know if I've pulled Dead of Winter off the shelf after I bought The Long Night. And mainly it's the same game. But the Long Night adds a couple extra modules, changes a couple rules, and it's better. Yeah. Uh, I have the Long Night, ironically. I bought it. I still haven't played it. Like, I got it. I, I realized I didn't have Dead of Winter, and yeah. someone was selling Long Night on the Game Trader site. I'm like, oh, I like Dead of Winter, and I don't have it. Sure, I'll buy that one. But I kept it because I bought, also bought Warring Colonies, and I was like, if I ever want play Warring Colonies, I need the first one. So I was like, eh, that's whatever. Uh, they're both on the shelf. They're all three sit, hanging out together, but I won't ever pull Dead of Winter out. The original one again. Uh, actually, have them both signed by Jonathan Gilmore. Ooh. Uh, he, I tried to talk to him about Dead of Winter Legacy. Hopefully, that happens again. I don't know. It's not going to happen. It's not going to. That would be amazing. <laughs> but I always wanted to. Every time I was like, what's the next Legacy game? I'm like, Dead of Winter Legacy. I, which it's, would basically be The Walking Dead, I guess. It still would be fun. If the story is written well, I'd play it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But being able to open new... Um, find new buildings and explore these new buildings. And these buildings are overrun and they're out of the game. And you might not have any control over which ones get out of the game. And like my police station might last the entire game, but someone else's legacy version, the police station is the first ones overrun and you're never allowed to visit or get any of those cards again. Hmm. I was like, ah, it could be so good. So in, in the box for a long night, is it, like basically just a rehash. I think it's all the stuff that was in the original plus the new stuff. I or think, is uh, I would say some of the cards are slightly different. A lot of the um, art is going to be a little different. Are they rebalanced them a little? Every bit? Every character is different, so there's a whole different set of characters. But I think you still have the same six buildings. Mm. Uh, the deck of cards I would say are very thim- similar. Um, like your box of cereal now has a can of can of beans on it, so something similar to that. Um, but it comes with the, the mutation, the mutated zombies from the, the lab that started the zombie apocalypse It has a bandits exp- expansion. So you can have bandits that come steal things. But one thing that I just always throw in is the, um, module that adds little buildings or improvements. I think is what it's called. Basically you can build a DVD player to increase morale. You can build a fireplace to heal a wound. Uh, so there's just uh, every now and then um, things come out and you can build things with a little bit of a resource that you have. And it just adds a tiny bit to it, but it makes it a little bit better. Um, I think all the crossroad cards are going to be are different. So you have a different set of crossroad cards and therefore a different set of missions. So the objectives and the bad things that happen and the crossroad cards, which make the game, are all different. 
but you need to keep them separate because you're like, if John's in play, it's like, this game doesn't have John yeah. <laughs> because John's in the other John's box. not in this game. Damn it, John. So you do need to keep them separate, but yeah. No, so that's my first one. The Dead of Winter, Long Night Fires, Dead of Winter. So the other, another one you have in this list, I was you put I was going to put it on there, but you already had it, so I figured we'd talk about it. Because I feel like this fired the, the, the golem one, the Century Golem, <laughs> and just regular Century Spice. It's literally the same the exact, exact same game. There's nothing different except for the art. But our, and instead of cubes, they're little acrylic gems. But Eric, yeah, Eric bought the... Uh, Century Spice Road that has the cubes that you trade one spice for another spice and trade this little wooden cube for another little wooden cube. It's the exact same cards, the exact same formula for whatever. And they made them golems where little stone monsters are trading acrylic gems for different acrylic gems. And it's so much better. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> like I will. It's yeah. I did the same thing. Like I didn't, I, it, that completely replaced it for me where I was like, I didn't get like, well, the follow up ones I waited because like when they first came out, I think it was just a, it was a joke. Uh, April one of the April Fool's days that that company put out. It's like, oh, Century Spice Golem Edition, and everyone's like, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I buy this Golem Edition? He's like, dude, it's a joke. We're not making this. I'm like, no, no, you should make it. And yeah, right. and that's when someone else is like, well, hold on one second. <laughs> and then people bullied them into making it, and woohoo, we won. And then like, all right, guys. We're planning three Century Spice games. We are not making three Century Golem games. It's not going to happen. You get this one. We fell for it. You bullied us in. We're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just cons- consistent. Like, so when is the next Golem edition coming out? Uh, are we going to finish the Golem trilogy? And eventually the company was like, fine. We'll <laughs> do it if you'll shut up. <laughs> and they bought it. And I have all three of them right there. Yep. Yeah. I don't, it just, I don't know. And it's just it's more colorful. The acrylic gems are nicer. And then, like, in my head, it's not just, they're not just trading gems with each other. They're, like, they're power crystals and they're energy crystals. And the green one is, like, the earth power. So I'm powering up my earth golems. And it's, you know, in my head, I build this whole oh, yeah, scenario around what's going on. What, do you want some more some more spice? And I can get you the peppers if you oh, give me the salt. Oh, sure. Do you want some oregano? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they both fire splendor. Splendor, when I first played it, it was right when I first started getting into board games, is a fa- fantastic game. I loved Splendor. I played the hell out of Splendor. I went to my friend's house, and um, his cards were worn out. Like, as he's putting the cards on the table, unsleeved. Mm. Fabulous. And one of the things I love about unsleeved cards is you feel the love that's been put into the game. His game had been probably played hundreds of times. And you just feel as the cards, just worn out, messed up cards going on the table, and you're clinking those big, heavy chips that they came in one of the original games with it. It was just a, a good game to play. The art was pretty. Splendor was great. But then when Century of Spice came out, it filled that niche but filled it better. It was a simple mm. trading game, simple little engine-building game, but it just did it better. And it did it better with Spices. But then Golem came out and was like, nah, we, yeah, don't, we don't need your Spices. Just spices out of here. <laughs> So mine is, and Alex has a couple on her too. We'll we'll throw his in in a little bit. But so mine is so Champions of Midgard fired Lords of Waterdeep. Absolutely, uh, Lords of Waterdeep, a themeless uh, worker placement game. One of the first worker placement games, mm-hmm. and does it well. It was a great worker placement game. And Lords of Waterdeep was one of the first games I learned how to play. Like when, like when I first got, like when I started getting into the hobby, like. I've never seen worker play. I, it, to me, a blue Lords of Waterdeep blew my mind. Mm-hmm. 
the first time I played it. I was like, whoa, I never thought. I'm used to like uh, Scrabble and Pictionary. And yeah, oh, it, we'll play. It, it was something different. You're going to, you get to do this one action no one else can do. And you have to, you have quests that you have to go on. You have to do this thing. And it was amazing. And, but themeless. Like, you need to get the clerics and the wizards. It's like, no, I need to get the purple cubes and the white cubes. Mm. What am I going to do with those? Oh, trade them in for this thing? And it was fun until it wasn't. But uh, Champions of Midgard, just the beautiful board and your Vikings and you're grabbing the dice into the dice pool and rolling the dice and hoping to kill the big monsters works. Yeah. So much better. Yeah, oh, yeah. Way more thematic, much nicer looking game. The expansions for Champions of Midgard, I mean, blow away. Was it Skull, Skullport and Scoundrels or something like that? Mm-hmm. And, but both of them did... Like, I don't think you can play um, Lords of Waterdeep without Skulls. Like, you have to play Skulls and Skullports now. Like, if I played again and someone's like, oh, no, we don't play with that expansion, I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to play this game, we're going to get the Skulls of Skullport. But same with Champions and Midgard, you have to play with those expansions. I think both of those games have mandatory expansions. Because, like, um, in Champions and Midgard, once you roll your dice, and if they are blanks, they're died. Like, the the bad guy's going to kill your, your Vikings. And you're like, oh, I love my Vikings. And in base game, they're done. Mm. Goodbye, put them back in the dice pool. Huzzah. But uh, in the expansion, you actually trade them in for little uh, cardboard chits, and you can spend those cardboard chits for, I don't know. Like other things, yeah. I don't Valhalla. Remember that one, yeah. In the Valhalla expansion, you can use your dead Vikings as currency. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, though, the expansions for that are great. It is just, it's so much more thematic. It gives you, I feel like you have, like, the, the options on the board, it feels like you know you're real you're doing that action so, all right i'm gonna go hunting and i roll some dice and then i oh i got four arrows i killed four things and i grab mm-hmm. meat shaped resources and mm, vikings eating the meat <laughs> and i'm not just like going to like i'm gonna go in the alley and i got these two these black two, cubes these two black cubes yeah okay cool so yeah so champions midgard fired the hell out of lords of water deep for me um this is gonna be a rude one because i've only read through the rule book i haven't actually played the game yet but Aftermath is um, the same company that put out Mice and Mystics, and it's little... Um, it's one, where's Aftermath? Oh, it, is the green box right Yeah, there? the big green box. It's the anamorphic, anamorphic mice that are, mm-hmm. have come to life as people, and it's post-apocalyptic, but the way the game is written and the way it works, it's very similar to Stuff Fables, where there's the book and the action selection, and it's Stuff Fables, but for adults. Uh, they have the initiative track, same similar to Stuff Fables, and I know I really enjoy Stuff Fables. I've been playing it with a kid, but Aftermath, I'm going to go ahead and fire my Semistics, even though it's sitting right next to it with an unopened expansion next to it. But I am going to play Aftermath before I pull my Semistics off the board, off the shelf again. Hmm. Right. But my Semistics started that, so I, I still never it. played my Semistics. Like I always heard, it was like so much fun. I just I it's, never got around to it. It's a it's a chore. The rulebook isn't great, and the system isn't refined. Uh, so, but if you enjoyed Stuff Fables and that idea, if they could do go back and get Mice and Mystics second edition, I would probably play it too. Uh, but I really like the way the book is written because the original one is just boards that laid out, but the book, when you open the book and flow through it, works really, really well. Mm. So Alex has one on here that's interesting. I think we would both agree for the most part, but... I could think of one notable exception is when legacy versions pretty much fire just vanilla versions of, of games. Yeah. 
A lot of them have. Some of them haven't. Um, unfortunately, there have been some legacies that have been duds. Sorry. Did you say that again? Yeah. Sorry. Siri, I'm not talking to you. Well, no, 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 tell her again. There have been some legacy games that were <laughs> Siri, duds. Siri, pay attention, Siri. So there were some legacy games that was duds. No, Just, leave that in. Please leave that in. That was <laughs> All right, fine. Let's keep going. <laughs> all right. Uh, but some legacies have been duds. Uh, I know Seafall came out with huge hype. It was right after Pandemic Legacy came out, or Risk Legacy, I think. And it was like, oh, it's the same guy. New game. Let's do it. And people ran through Gen Con to get them, and it just sucked. So here's the thing with Seafall, though. And I don't know, and this is where this gets a little a little weird. So Seafall isn't exactly a legacy version. It's not a legacy version of a real of game. Of an existing game. It's a different game. So you are correct. And I think um, some others that we might talk about right here are going to fall into that same caveat. Uh, I did buy Seafall twice, though. But both times for the metal coins. Someone oh. was selling it with the metal coins. So I paid 20 bucks for a Seafall that I threw away so I get the metal coins for oh, it. Oh, so you can just get like the metal coins on eBay or something? Well, I mean, I wasn't out looking for them, but I saw uh, someone selling them. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll right. get the, the metal coins made it worth it. Yeah, so I, I think the, the big exception, and I, I didn't play it, but would be Betrayal Legacy. I've heard a lot of good things about Betrayal, but we just didn't like it. We just felt the story wasn't there. We felt it slogged through each mission. They didn't connect together. The story wasn't there. And the Legacy version needs a story. Pandemic Legacy, we played Pandemic Legacy, and there was the story there. And you, as you played it, you felt the story unveiling, and it looked like it on the map. And there was permanent things that you could see in front of you every time. A city gets overrun, it gets destroyed. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's gone and it's now harder to do stuff in that city. And you can f like think in your brain, okay, this city now has walls. This city is under martial law. You don't want to fly into this city and you can just think in your brain what the news might look like as this is happening. It's a real story that you could feel inside your soul as you're playing it. Um, we played risk legacy together that felt the same way. It told a story. You're watching the world be destroyed or be built up for war and just these factions getting stronger and pitting against each other. And then, oh, no, the mutants are here. Spoiler. Spoiler. We need to say that before. Spo spoiler alert. <laughs> so, so I guess if we edit, just take the spoiler and put it before. No, nah, they'll figure know. it out. We're talking about <laughs> legacies. They don't want to know. But, you know, Risk Legacy was the first legacy game. Yeah, I if you haven't played it by now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, those two for sure, absolutely. I have not played um, the Pandemic 2 and 0 yet. I am looking forward to them, but they were really good. I still haven't even played Pandemic Seed. Because the problem was, like, I, I don't remember where the hell it was. Like, I played late, but everyone's already played it, and it's hard to play again. That, that's the problem. Is but I everyone's think Scott owns it. it, and he wants to play it. I'd play again. I'd, I'd, I'd play it. But some other really good ones. Um, Emily and I played through Rise of Queensdale, and it's just a generic game. Um, and it was fun, a fun little legacy game uh, as you're building your city up. I don't even know. Um, Hovel. And you're working and trying to collect things and build them up. But uh, we played Charterstone. That's another one that's not a an IP. It's not a real game. I it's like Charterstone. It's not based on a f current game. And then it just kind of fell flat, too. Yeah, I didn't like Charterstone. I, just, I then remember the first, I was filling in one point. I, I started playing it, uh, you know, with you and Torn and everybody. And I was like, okay, I guess, I'll, I guess I'm taking over this because someone dropped out. So I'm like, all right, I'll take over. You're only like one or two games in, so but not that big a deal. And then I was like, okay. So I looked at the thing, and I think that for two games in a row, I did nothing but make pumpkins and sell pumpkins. And I think you and Alex ended up with a lucrative loophole, a lucrative cycle that was really good for winning a game, 
but dull as hell playing a game. And everyone else was trying to do everything everything they could do to keep up. So even though we were playing the game, it was frustrating because we couldn't get the points that y'all two were getting, and y'all did absolutely nothing. So we didn't enjoy the game because we couldn't play the game. So we couldn't win the game. Y'all didn't enjoy the game because you couldn't actually play the game that was in front of us. So, and it, it, eventually we never finished it. Yeah, no, we never did. I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really find it that, that great. But uh, overall, lots of legacy games that they're based on a real IP. Uh, I would, I would try them. I enjoy legacy games. I know there's a, a Sagrada legacy coming out. I'm interested in it. I'm curious how they're going to do that. I'm really curious on how it's going to happen. I know there was a Machikoro legacy. Machikoro is the dice rolling game. Um, yeah. I've heard good things. I've heard bad things, but I am not interested. I'm trying to think of another legacy game that I'm trying to think of right now. The only other one that I was kind of curious is again this one's this one's just its own standalone. It's not like a regular a legacy version. Another game was The King's Dilemma. It's basically Game of Thrones. Mm, I heard it was good. I heard there was good parts about it. the story was good, but I think the game fell flat. Yeah, well, because the well. game is just all negotiating and like mm-hmm. you know, there's really not much going on. It's just you're you're basically like playing the the long game of politics. Mm-hmm. So the next one I had was Dune. Fired Lost Ruins of Arnak. I know yeah. this might be unpopular because Lost Ruins of Arnak is not a bad game, and everyone I know it's got a, a very big fan base. But when I play Dune, it's different, but it's similar enough that it kind of, like you said, scratches that itch of what Lost Ruins of Arnak. See, I wonder does. if it's just because I don't care about Dune. I played it, and I'm like, eh. But I played Lost Ruins of Arnak. It wasn't my favorite game, but I would play it over Dune. Maybe because I'm not connected to Dune, I didn't enjoy See, the I'm movie. Not, I'm never not that the book, connected but to Dune. I just didn't enjoy the game. Really, Dune? like there was a couple different ones, and I didn't like either one of them. See, what I liked about Dune was, it, it, and again, like I'm not like really, t- I'm not like one of those people that are like, oh my god, Dune. I, I've seen the movie. I never read the books. I've seen the movie. I'm, okay, like it's a good movie. I'm not like one of those like fanatics when it comes to Dune, but I felt the game just did what Lost Ruins of Arnak does, but but better because the the, the cards are more multi-purpose mm-hmm. in Dune, whereas in Lost Ruins of Arnak, Arnak they're multi-purpose, but not really. So, like, you're either playing them to, like, put your worker out, which is almost like kind of just wasting the card, you know, because it also has this ability that I want to do. And, yeah. I, and again, that could be a, a, a decision or a fun sort of thing in the game. But for the most part, I'm using my crappy cards to move, and I'm trying to get the good cards. And all of most of the cards just give you resources. Yeah. That's what most of the cards do is, oh, I get some tablets and I get some stuff and I spend the resources. That's what, like, unless they're the artifacts. The artifacts can do some cool stuff. But for the most part, the other ones just give you resources. Whereas with Dune, the cards will kind of like with um, uh, what's the other what's the deck building game? Why am I blanking on all these games today? The one where the cards link together when you play like two different two cards of the same type, and then it triggers an ability. I don't know the, the Predator one. What's the Predator one? Oh, the um, Marvel Legendary. Legendary. God, I'm like having such a brain fart when it comes to game names tonight. Uh, but, you know, how Legendary has, like, cards where if you say, like, oh, if there's another card of this type in play, then you get this extra little bonus. You know, Dune does that. You know, it feels more deck buildy than what Lost Dunes of Arnak does. And then, like, the locations that you go to feel more significant. You know, it's, so it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it felt a little bit better. And the thing with, with, um, with Dune was it's not just, you're not going based on a number of rounds. It's the first one to ten points triggers the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of race to get to 10 points, but then there's also this other mechanic of the conflict that happens after every round. So you have to decide, okay, do I want to try to dedicate resources 
to the conflict to get some of the you know the the prizes for winning? Do I want to focus on the politics instead? So it's where Lost Ruins of Arnak was just I'm going to get a bunch of resources, spend them on this track here, and then that I just that's all it felt like I was doing. I was just collecting things to spend them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it had a decent theme, but it didn't necessarily feel like it flowed through. But I think uh, Lost Ruins, did it get an expansion? It did, yeah. The expansion's I, not too bad. I don't think I've played with the expansion it, yet, though. So it adds variable player powers, uh, which is which is good. Always good. Yeah. Always um, good. The powers, some of them are okay. Some of them are a little bit more complicated, a little bit underwhelming. One of them, the one that I played, completely game-breaking, mm-hmm. is the Explorer. The Explorer gets an extra worker. Yeah. And in a game where you only have two workers... Having a third one is insane. Oh, my God, yeah. Because there's a couple of cards that say you can recall a worker from a place and put him back in your pool. And I got those cards. So oh, basically yeah, every turn, for the most part, Three I had four, four work. workers to everybody else's two. And there was nothing anyone could do about it. Mm-hmm. And it was just I had so many resources. I think I got to the top of the research track by, like, the third round. And then you could just do everything else. <laughs> yeah, so it was – that th- that one is just – like, it sounds so simple. It's like, oh, you just get an extra worker. But it 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 is, like, game-breaking. I will say there was a house rule that a friend of mine uh, implemented with his version of Ruins of Arnak is he starts the staff off the board to the left. So the, oh, to give you, like, extra rounds? The, it get, you end up with two extra rounds the way he does it. So there's two decks of cards. One cards are research, and the other cards are artifacts. So at the beginning of the game, starting it all the way on the left means no artifacts, all research. And then... The first or after the first round, you have your first artifact, and then the rest are research. And as you work your way down the last round, he puts it all the way to the right of the board, and it's all artifacts, no research. So it ends up being a little more thematic because before you go exploring, there's no artifacts. It's all research. Mm. While you're in the middle of re- uh, exploring, there's no more research. It's all just artifacts. As you're, uh, It gives you two more rounds, gives a little bit more meat to the game, and it makes it a little bit more thematic. So interesting. Well, too late. I sold my copy. Yeah, so <laughs> just going back to the house rules. Um, so the next one on my list is Secret Hitler. Um, pretty much almost every social deduction, but I put Avalon. Avalon's one I think we played the most. Uh, Revolution or yeah. Resistance and Avalon, same game. Um, but Secret Hitler, oh my god, so much better. And I love the negotiation that comes in that game. I love everything that happens during Secret Hitler. It's so much fun. Yeah, no, that one is a good one. And I, and I know, like, thematically, so there might be some people that, that take issue with the game, and, and that's been a controversy. I mean, the goal of the game is to kill Hitler? Or, I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a couple people in our group that have a little bit of a, a have issue with the theming, which I understand. It can be a little, and you know, like they're making light of something. But, yeah. Yeah, but, it's, but mean, overall, yeah. from, like, a mechanic standpoint, yeah, I, I, I like Secret Hitler. I always, and, and, and I really, I want to make this game because I, I came up with this idea of making a kid's version mm-hmm. of Secret Hitler called Secret Santa. I just haven't figured out a good way to kind of like. I know there's like Secret together. Voldemort. I know there's that one out there. And there's I th- uh, there's one of the founding fathers of America, I think, called Secret Hamilton. A lot of the same, it's pretty much the exact same game, different skin. I've, I've actually played both of those versions, but it's still the same game and it's so much fun. Yeah, no, Secret Hitler's good. I've, I've played a few of the social deduction games, and, like, Secret Hitler's the one, like, like I'll, I'll almost never say no to mm-hmm. playing that game. I'll be like, okay. Unless I'll- there's, like, five or six people at the table. It's like, no, we're not playing that. This one is, like, eight to ten players. Oh, yeah, yeah. We need a table full of people. Yeah, like, we've played other ones. I played, like, I played Secrets. Secrets was okay. I was only, like, those big chips. That was, uh, that was okay. Yeah. You know, 
Avalon coup, and I mean those are all pretty much the same game. But yeah, no, Secret Hitler was, Secret Hitler was a good one. I will say, um, the immature side of me wants to do this one time, but I can't. I've never had a chance to do it because I don't have two versions of Secret Hitler. Is remove all the liberal cards and just fill it with fascist cards. All the um, policies. Mm. It's a straight red deck of policies because normally the red deck already outweighs the blue, mm. but just make it straight red. But then also remove all the fascist roles. So make sure everyone at the table is a liberal. And the deck only has fascist policies. <laughs> I, w- I would absolutely. I mean, that would only be good for one game. And then it would oh, be no, like, it, oh, you. It would jerk. be so much fun for me for that one game. Uh, but, yeah, I haven't done it yet. Yeah. So the next one that I have is Clank fired pretty much every other deck builder for me. Yeah. Um, there are a couple deck builders I really enjoy, but Clank is so good. Yeah, Clank. I just it's what does it for me is it's there's so much more going on. They have the board. I I love that it's this. Oh, that was a legacy version, better than the regular version. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, so it's got like having the board. I love the campy kind of nature of it. The fact that it's all cartoony, it's really campy and silly. Uh, you know, having the board, it's kind of like a race to pressure luck to the bottom. Oh no, I gotta get back up. How because far do I go? Jerk, like left the <laughs> castle already. So yeah, so no Clank. And there's other deck builders that I really do enjoy. Uh, but over the years, uh, you know, Alec Alex has said, like, Deck Builder Plus yeah. has become more of a thing. Like, I just don't really enjoy straight Deck Builders anymore, like Ascension or anything like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I owned Ascension. I owned Dominion. I owned a lot of Dominion. But the only other really Deck Builder I have besides Clank, I think, is the Eldorado, which is still a Deck Builder and then a race. Yeah, but that's, but it has, like, that board in there. Like, I, I would need some. Oh, like, what was the other one? Tyrants of the Underdark is another one that does something like that where it's, you have the board and the deck building aspect of it. But, yeah, Clank in general for me for deck building. And the only one I played a lot of was the the War Machine and Hordes. Uh, it was Command, Command something or other. I don't remember. Command Center. It's, uh, so I used to play the miniatures game, and then they came out with a deck builder game ah. of it also. So I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. I was already kind of like I knew what was going on. But, yeah, no, Clank, Clank for me is like I will play that over any deck builder any day. So a game I had growing up, and I still – Probably stuff. Yeah, I have my my childhood version of it. I found at a thrift store. I bought it instead of the newer version. Scotland Yard. It's a hidden deduction, not hidden. It's a hidden role, hidden movement game. So there's one bad guy trying to go around the board, trying to stay away from the the cops. Uh, but it was fired by Letters to Whitechapel. Letters to Whitechapel was far and away so much better. That's the Jack the Ripper one. Right? Yeah, Jack the Ripper. Uh, he's running around, and it, what makes it better is he's able to kill people during the game. As the game goes, there's more murders happening. In Scotland Yard, it's just a straight race. Mm. We're gonna find you every five turns. You show us where you are, and we're just just shrinking the net around you. And you have to escape from us, or we get you. But letters to Whitechapel, he's able to hide. He has a couple extra powers, but you end up with more murders. And so instead of showing you where I am, I just show you a dead prostitute. And then so I was like, I I just I really enjoy. It. I've only played it once or twice, but it's so good. I'd like to play that one. Am I usually that big in the hidden role games? Like I actually sold my copy of Fury of Dracula. It just never, I don't know why it just never clicked with me. Like one of the things I didn't like about that Fury of Dracula specifically was you had to play with all the characters. Yeah. So really, like okay, then I need five people because I'm not gonna. You're gonna be two people. I will I'm say gonna... Scotland Yard does that, but it, the players are generic. They're just a different color pawn. They all work exactly the same. So it's so easy to play too. 
And like, or two players. One player controls all the detectives. But yeah, yeah. I, and I, I know I'm in the minority on that one, but just I, I've played it like three or four times, and every time I've done it as Dracula, I've done it as not Dracula, and every time I'm like, I don't like. Okay, it's okay, I, but I don't. See I had what fun th- while playing it, but it's not ever one I'm gonna ask to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. for your Dracula. So um, what was a couple of ones Alex had on here? So he had Dinosaur Roar, Dinosaur Island Roar and Right. He never liked Dinosaur Island anyway, so I'm not even going to talk <laughs> about that one. Dinosaur he Island's did. a good he game. Dinosaur Island. Dinosaur Island's a good game. We're going to ignore Alex. He isn't here. He cannot defend himself. Yeah. yeah. Hit us in the comments. Yeah. What do you um, like better, Dinosaur Island Roar and Right? Actually, I did like Roar and Right. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I did like Roar and Right. It was fun. It, it is fun. But I still, I would rather play Dinosaur Island than a, the Roll and Right game. But the next one I have is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action adventure game. The Change is Constant, I think is what it was called. It beats Imperial Assault. And they're both similar games. You got a group of good guys versus the bad guy. The bad guy can be the deck of cards. It can be an actual person at the board. Um, but they both have an AI. So mm-hmm. Imperial Assault has one on, the, on an app. The Ninja Turtle one, which also has the Batman adventure one. Uh, has it in the cards, so it comes with the AI in the decks. But I don't know if it's just the Ninja Turtles because I like Ninja Turtles more than Star Wars, which is almost hypocrisy to stay, say. I was going to say, uh, today of all the, days. Today of all days on May the 4th. But um, I really enjoy the way this um, Ninja Turtle game works well. You pick your you pick your bad guys you have, or pick your good guys. I think there's 20 or 30 different, probably not that many, a lot of different good guys you can pick, a lot of heroes, and they all come with their own unique dice. Their own unique is Usagi Yojimbo in there? Uh, he is. <sighs> and own unique uh, dice and then a deck of cards that are with different abilities that you're going to choose which ones you want for each game. So even if you choose the same character, you can choose different abilities so he plays differently. Um, and there's just... It, I ended up buying the whole expa- a whole Kickstarter, so I have two base games and a handful of expansions. So I have missions out the wazoo for it, and it's a game that I've played solo more than any other game, um, just because I enjoy working my way through the book. And then someone took all the missions and put them in chronological order based on the comics that they're based on. Huh. So I'm actually like pl- trying to play through it in that order, and I have a little piece of paper. I'm just putting check marks as I <laughs> finish those games. Nice. I would like to play that one, actually, because I, like, I feel like if I was playing that Ninja Turtle game, I'd feel like I'm playing like the old arcade game. Mm-hmm. Like the, one where you, the, 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 the beat-em-up game in the arcade. And it's one that's almost fully painted. Like, wow. I've spent time and effort making that game painted. Uh, I've gotten almost all the minion bad guys painted, a lot of the uh, bad guys, hero, the bad villains, the bosses painted, mm. um, working a lot of the heroes, and just working my way through that one. But Ninja Turtles beats Imperial Assault. Mm. So the last one I have is Orbis fired Viceroy. So Orb- Orbis is the, the Greek one. Remember the, we, we, uh, the I don't know if you played. Just one, talk right? about it. I don't know. Oh, okay, so in Orbis, what you're doing is similar to Viceroy's. You, you're you're drafting cards from a board, and you're building out this pyramid in front of you with those cards. Yeah. You know, and there's certain placement rules on this has to go next to this one, or you know, if you don't, and it gets destroyed, and you get negative points. But like you know, there's some placement rules, and then at the top of the pyramid, you pick one of your you know, you pick a god that's kind of going to give you some like end game sort of you know goals to go for mm-hmm. so like third round in you might be like you know what i'm kind of going in this direction i'm going to take you know this god and you know, they're going to top off my pyramid uh but it's same thing with viceroy viceroy was you're you're drafting you're getting those cards and you're building out the pyramids and you're putting cards on top and then they're you're getting cascading effects because of it 
Viceroy I thought was fun. I mean, I, I played it a bunch, and then I, I eventually sold it because I was like, right, I don't think I'm going to play this again. Yeah. And then I got Orbis. I think I, just, I got it, like, off, like, the math trade or something, mm-hmm. like, just randomly. And I was like, okay. It's like, sure. Super fun. Yeah. Like, if, thinky enough that it's not you're not just like, all right, take this, put this here. Like, you have to be like, oh, well, if, you know, you, so, like, certain cards. like You have to look at the cascade effect. You have to yeah. look at the cascade effect. And also certain certain tiles will say, this one has to be surrounded by, you know, two forests at least. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, you go, oh, I don't want to put forests around I don't want to put forests around that. <laughs> but then if you don't, then that tile is not going to score you points at the end of the game. So you have so to You kind of have to. So it's you. And it's it's easy in the beginning, but as you get further up the pyramid and you get less real estate, you put things like, you know, you're four rows up and you go, I only have space for like three more tiles. And like all the tiles there want different things. Well, crap. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, last one I have on the list, and I think we all can agree to this. Llama. Llama, 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 llama. Kills every other filler game. It does. And a lot of people use filler as an insult. I don't think filler is an insult. I think a filler is a filler. It's going to fill a little bit of time as someone else is finishing a game. It's a game that I want to get to the table, and but only spend 15, 20 minutes playing as we're waiting for more people to show up, or maybe the end of the game as a little palate cleanser at the end, or we finished ours, they have 15, 20 minutes. So it's a not an insult. But Llama is by far the best filler game. Oh yeah, I I I that game is so that game is not should, should not, not be, should not, not be, be as fun. fun as it is. But it just it just is. I don't know why what it is about that game, but it it is so much more fun than yeah. Like a lot of those other similar card games, where all you're yeah. doing is like you just play a card of equal or one higher. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all you're doing. It's Uno rules. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it's but it just it blows everything else away. It's so much fun. There's a party edition of Llama. There is. Basically, what they do is they just take one of each color and put, like, a plus one. So, I think you can play two cards. All right. So, I don't think it adds more players, but it just changes one card of each value. So Yeah, and I think there – well, there's a pink – there's, like, one pink card, which is, like, the Trump of Trumps or something like that. But I, I think – I mean, I think every number has a plus one. So, there's a, a one plus one. So, you can play – if you play that one, you can play a second card. And the llama has one as well. And I think pink is the color of that. Oh, it is. Of okay. that f- uh, feature of that mechanic. It's pink. Oh, gotcha. So, okay. But I've never played it. I've just kind of read a little bit about it. I don't know if I'll ever buy it because I love my version. Yeah, a, I, mean, I don't have it. So, like, if I got it, I may just get that one. I don't know. I feel like, like, the, the plus one, if that's what it does, it, it might make it too easy. I wonder if they make fancy out. geek up bits for it. For llama? <laughs> it's just acrylic. Black and white tiles. Yeah. Chips. Well, what would be great is if, like, they just have, like, frowny faces on them. Like, the black <laughs> ones have, like, really mad frowny faces, That's and the funny. white ones are more like, oh. All right. So, those are some games that have fired other games. Hoping we don't fire other games. What new ones do you have coming? So, one that I'm waiting for. At this point, I'm just really waiting on Kickstarters. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I've had to, like, so, so, I don't know if anyone, I don't know if I ever brought this up. So, Leslie and I were having a baby. I made a person. Ooh. I made a mini meeple. Uh-oh. So, I know. Leslie's, <laughs> Leslie's, and it's a boy, too. Leslie's just like, I swear to God, if this kid is anything like you. I'm like, well, surprise. Um, so, yeah. So, now, like, we're trying to clear out some space because we realize, like, you know, the, my board games take up like, about 30% of the bedroom. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, babies are going to be in there. Yeah. So, now, so, I'm like, so, I've been trying to, like, trim down my collection and, you know, just trying to free up some space. And at this point, I have so many games. It's like, I don't play half of these anymore. And they'll yeah. get to the point where I don't even remember how to play. And now I don't feel like relearning it. So, I just sell it. Um, but, yeah. So, now, at this point, I was waiting on Kickstarters that have all been delayed because of COVID. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Uh, but no, the next big one I have coming is Endless Winter. I'm looking forward to that game. Yeah, and that's the same the same one that did the the Architects series came out. It's I think it's a different designer, but the same art. Yeah, same 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 art. So he did yeah the all the Raiders of the North Sea, all the of the West Kingdoms, and I think they're doing the South Seas right now. But yes, uh, the Miko I think is his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, I want this game. And then I saw you back to I was like, all right, I'll play it later. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm still waiting on that one. That one, there was a huge delay on that one. It's been a while. Uh, yeah, so it's, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember that much because I haven't looked in on the campaign. I just look every now and again, I get the email updates to go, okay, mm-hmm. and then I just get on with my day. But I think I backed that in like 2019. Well, I had one show up on the doorstep, and I, uh, my mom's moving down to Texas. She lives in Massachusetts, so she's been changing some delivery addresses to my house. So I have a stack of games waiting for her when she shows up. Um, I don't know what happened, Mom. They never came. They, I, don't, I, I, don't I don't know. No, those, no, those are mine on the shelf, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> she listens to the podcast. So. Oh, all right. Well, damn it. <laughs> um, but one showed up, Dead Reckoning. So I give her a call. I was like, hey, Mom, your Dead Reckoning showed up. She goes, I didn't order Dead Reckoning. So I go to my Kickstarter page and realize I didn't back this game either, but it's definitely my name. And I'm like, so eventually I'm like going through my email and I liked, I late backed this one. So Ah. it's not one that's backed on Kickstarter. So I was like, all right, I was not expecting this game to show up. I've read through the rules. It looks like a really fun pirate game. I need to get it to the table, but dead reckoning looks like a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah. There's a couple I've been, I've been keeping an eye on Kickstarter, but even those like, I'm trying to I'm trying to just uh, take it easy. I mean, not just back a bunch of Kickstarters because mm-hmm. now I'm trying. I think like we've all like, it was, especially with how much time, like you know, it's hard to get everyone together. I getting mean, those long campaign a games. year to, a year or two ago, we were like before COVID, we were playing board games every night of the week. We went through our games. We had a new bag of games and we kind of went through them, and we've cycled through our collection. But over the past couple of years, just a lot of these games haven't been opened in a year or two, mm. and. I know that I should get rid of them, but I'm like, uh, but I like them and I want to play them. I just need to get out and play them. Yeah. Well, it'd be a good convo. I think maybe next time we'll talk about the, uh, the Simon controversy. Oh yeah. Shipping that not even the shit, just the shit. I, so someone took a picture, they got the Marvel United and they took a picture of it. Mm-hmm. They stacked every box. Oh, it's taller than that on top. Yes. It was taller than his wife. I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I went all in. And I was like, Whoa, I, you did stack them all up. Well, because Marvel United was two huge Kickstarters. There was the Marvel United, and then they came out with the Marvel United X-Men, and they both had about the same amount of content. And it's a kid's game. It's a lightweight family game, which is not a bad thing if that's what you want. But people are dropping three, $400 on a lightweight family game. And I realize you love the IP, you love the Marvel, you love the X-Men. But, wow. Yeah. I've play- I haven't played it. I still want to play it. But I don't think I could drop that kind of money on it. I've dropped that money on games. The other one I was going to talk about is Cloudspire. I dropped a couple hundred dollars on Cloudspire. I went I went to the website, did all in. It's like, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it all. Not the art books. Mm. I didn't buy the art book. But I bought the play mat. I bought the, all the game. And I <laughs> who, who needs art, you uncultured <laughs> swine? Uh, but I've played through the learning games. And I was like, okay, this is feels like it's a fun game. You're going to be able to upgrade and uh, customize. And now I just need to teach it to someone else so I can play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it next time. I, I I have some thoughts on Simon, but we'll save that for another day. Oh, cool. Well, I think that's going to do it for us for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Well, still went over an hour without Alex. I st- <laughs> I know, right? Jeez, he's going to be jealous. He's going to listen and be like, I wanted to play. 
So, but yeah, but anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, let us know what games have fired other games for you, or more. Actually, what house rules do you have? House rules, yeah. House rules. What's what's fired for you? Then hit us up. Check us out on Facebook. We're on the Facebook. We're on the Twitters. Instagram, the Instagram, the TikToks, all the social medias. The Lone Star Meeple at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can visit us on our website, www.thelonestarmeeple.com. So cool. Well, until next time, everyone. You find some games. Peace.